Hello, welcome to the Being Whole podcast with your host, me, Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. Today on the podcast, we have Tyndall Schreiner. She is a licensed therapist, a writer, and an advocate who spends her days supporting women in therapeutic work and fighting mental health stigma. She is well known for her unpolished and loving approach on social media and in the media. She specializes in supporting women who are navigating anxiety, trauma, and shame, and serves clients all over the state of Texas. Thousands tune into her Instagram to read her dear little me letters on Sundays and to follow along with her work. Connect with her on Instagram at Tyndall Elizabeth or sign up for her monthly email at www.tyndallelizabeth.com. Let's get this episode started. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're back for another episode. I'm here today with Tyndall Schreiner, and Tyndall has a lot of wonderful things for us to hear um, just from her perspective, not only as a person, but her professional experience and all that she does. I'm going to go ahead and say it at the end of the show, but I want to start off with this right now. If you do not already follow her on Instagram, please (laughs) go do so, okay? Because... That is how I absolutely found out who Tyndall was as a person. And every time I pop onto Instagram and I see some of her content, it's like this burst of joy and or this place where I feel so seen, heard, and valued. So again, not to build you up too much before you start, no pressure, no pressure whatsoever. But, um, you know, thank you so much for coming here today. I'm very appreciative. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited that you and I connected. I've said this before, but I feel like we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. And yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. Again, I really, I I know I've said this to you before and I just said it, but I so appreciate the content that you put out on Instagram. For those who are um, not aware, Tyndall is actually a therapist here in town and she speaks so much about a lot of different things that I've had to personally go through. So I resonate with her on a personal level, but then also professionally when I see the work that she does and the way that she opens up space for people, I just find it to be so beautiful. So instead of me telling everybody how wonderful you are, Tyndall, <laughs> why don't you tell us, how about you talk? How about you tell us a little bit? <laughs> How about you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story or whatever you want to say? I so appreciate all your words. I forget sometimes that people even are reading what I'm putting out there. I think that's a little bit of how I protect myself. Um, But yeah, so I am, I don't even know how to say what I do at this point. I um, was a therapist and a nonprofit for the last few years. Now I I primarily work with women, so I'm primarily a trauma therapist or a trauma and wounding therapist for women, Um, and I have actually stopped seeing people in New Braunfels, but I see people in uh, surrounding towns and all over the state of Texas. Um, So that's kind of where I was this year. I was building my private practice, and that's built, and so I don't know what 2022 holds, but I think that my work will expand out of the one-on-one therapy session a little bit. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I'm excited to see where it goes for you too. Just even in the time that I've been following you, I've seen, you know, you just blossom into this whole other arena where you really are opening up space and helping so many people just again, even through your Instagram posts. And I can completely see where you're going to be way too busy to do one-on-one therapy anymore too, just with the the volume of people that have started to find you and respond to your work. So what was it like to kind of transition from a private practice or from the nonprofit world into this situation that you're experiencing now? 
It has been a whirlwind. Um, I think this new wave of counselors, myself included, are changing up the mental health theme a little bit. So before we were pretty, like some of us call it the cage, right? Like we see the licensing board as a bit of a cage and then also just being in one-on-one -on -one sessions all day. There wasn't really any avenues to talk about trauma um, and all this knowledge that we were acquiring that for me, I felt like this should be common knowledge. Like we should just be talking about this all the time. Um, and so it's pretty fun to see therapists on Instagram now, but also on podcasts and blogs and um, people getting book deals. And it's just, yeah, it's just really exciting because we're just expanding all of that knowledge out. Like this is stuff. I learned stuff in school that I wish that someone had taught me at, I don't know, age five. <laughs> oh no, I agree. Like Seriously, that's what I tell my students all the time. By the time they get to me, we're just undoing the patterns that have been there the whole life, their whole lives. Like if I could go into schools and homes and actually teach kids, you know, about some of these principles and concepts, you know, like you're saying mm -hmm. the trauma awareness. Okay. Everyone has some form of trauma to them. Right. So just even knowing about some of the principles behind it, at even a very basic level about how many people that could help just by having that recognition and acknowledgement. So I know I keep interjecting because I'm so excited that you're doing this, yeah. <laughs> but that's yes. really, you're so right when you say that I, I had never heard it called like that, the cage, but I can see where it would even feel like that professionally for you. And then also, you know, now feeling like you do have this knowledge that you want to expand and share with other people with being more trauma informed and working with others. So what was really like the catalyst for you to do that? Did you just feel like there was another arena for you to step into? Yeah, I felt like I created it on accident. I, it was a total accident. Um, I was just, I came from trauma-informed training, which you know all about, right? But it's like, a, it's pretty radical in the mental health field. Like it's still very new, the way that we're talking about, the way that trauma affects our brain structurally, right? But also just the way it functions in relation to emotion and logic. And it's just very new. And um, it's non-pathologizing in a lot of ways. So it's moving a little bit from the diagnosis lens strictly to being like, hang on a second. I think these responses make sense. Like, I think our brains are actually protecting us. And this is something to be honored and respected and explored, but not necessarily uh, demonized and eradicated, right? Um, and so then I moved into some other work settings and I was feeling like, oh, I have all this trauma informed stuff, like stirring, like, I don't feel like I have anywhere to put it. Um, so I started an Instagram and just started writing about it. And I found other therapists that were already there. And I thought, whoa, I had no idea this was going on. Um, and so, yeah, I, I created that. And then since then, it's just connected me to therapists all over the world. Um, and then people who are doing podcasts like this, and like, it just connected me to a lot of other people who. Uh, are doing the same stuff. So it's really exciting, but it was definitely an accident um, that turned into a huge blessing. I feel like my options have just kind of blown up a little bit and I don't even know where to go from here. Um, yeah. So was there a, something when you were, when you've been studying all of these things and obviously you've had so much knowledge through your schooling and everything, did you start to feel a pull to work with women in particular because of just through your readings and your schooling? Was that something that just made sense to you or what, what brought that um, focus to you, would you say? Yeah, I think it happened in layers. 
Um, so for one, whenever I got into school and I'm pretty open about my mental health, right? You know this. Um, when I got to school, I started looking at, we started looking at generational trauma and shame and all of these things, right? Um, and I started to see them within myself. And so then I started to see like all of the ways that I, as a woman, um, have internalized shame, right? That was never mine to carry. And so then it just became this passion of mine. Um, and I just really enjoy working with women. It's uh, really powerful to work with women and see how we start to honor these parts of us that we have been told to hate, right? Um, like whether that's like our body or whether that's we're, we're too polite, we're too quiet, we're too loud, we're too, it's like, it's, there's, it's almost feels like um, men are given these things to be, right? And then women are given these things to be, but only right in the middle, right? Like you can't be too loud, you can't be too quiet. Um, and it's just, it just, a, it just creates a lot of shame. Right. And so to start working with women, yeah, and seeing us approach mental health care from a trauma informed lens and to see some of that self compassion seep through, I was like, okay, I'm hooked. So this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Um, and then doing that process for me too, right? Like I'm constantly doing my own work and um, yeah, I'm hooked. Yeah. I mean, I, that I resonate with that so much. I mean, one of my favorite things I teach is interpersonal communication because I get people who that's all we're doing is self-exploration. You know, we're looking at awareness and identity and how we show up. And so like you, you know, I'm doing my own work at the same time that I'm helping other people. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful space to be able to watch people, as you say, start to recognize the ways that maybe like shame or guilt is showing up in their life that they never would have said that that's what it was. Right. Or the ways that, you know, fear comes out and we would never say, well, I'm afraid, but you start peeling it away. And like, that's what it is. Or in so much of it, as you just said, you know, even if you take away a traumatic piece, because oftentimes people are like, well, I haven't had a trauma or nothing happened to me. You know? right. it's like you, people often fail to realize the small ways that different memories have impacted them, but also just like you're saying the socialization, you know, just the socialization of being a woman or what it's meant to be feminine or what have you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's almost like I've even moved away from the word trauma a little bit just because it's, um, I think most of us don't understand either A, what happened to us was traumatic um, or B, even if it doesn't fit a textbook definition of trauma, that it was wounding in some way and shaped us, right? Absolutely. No, yeah. and I'd love to hear you say that because that is something with the trauma. It's such a loaded word too. And then there's also I think, unfortunately, such a space where we still people compare their hurt or their trauma to other people's and then think, well, maybe then that brings the shame, right? Like, why am I so sad about what happened? Right. Other people had this other really traumatic experience or whatever it is. So I like even the mm -hmm. ways that you speak about it in the wounding or wherever that comes from, right? Because we all have something to heal from somewhere. Yes, exactly. And I think that's where I started really diving into the work when I looked at um, how unprocessed trauma and or wounding, right, gets passed down in families, right, generations and generations and generations and how, um, yes, I do this work for myself, 
but I also do it so I don't pass down the same shit (laughs) that I got, right? Like I can honor the blessings that were given to me and then look at it and be like, well, I'm going to take a few of these things out before um, I pass them down my kiddos. Yeah. Future kiddos. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that right there, it just, again, even helping people bringing it all, that's what we all need is kind of that awareness piece, right? And recognizing that doesn't mean that what you're doing right now is bad or you're a terrible person or you've made terrible choices or anything. And that's, again, that shame piece. But when we can talk about things the way you are and really what you're telling people is you're giving them this education of all of the ways that who they are maybe has happened because of other things too, right? Like it's like who you are is because of your experiences. It's because of who you were exposed to, all of these different things. But so often when we're adults, we've we've pushed all that aside as though, oh yeah, I should be over that and I should just be okay with who I am right now without realizing that who you are now is a result of all those things. Yes, beautifully said. And yes, of course. So I think whenever I first started getting this work, I thought, oh no, I am doing all, I'm doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. And I have to break all these cycles. And I was like, hang on a second. We're getting into the shame spiral that I'm trying not to do, right? So it's like, I really love, so I use IFS a lot, internal family systems therapy and, um, It's a beautiful model and really honoring that all those things that we think we're doing wrong, right? Quotes wrong, but uh, they served us at one point, right? And like really honoring that and really approaching those parts of us with compassion um, and helping them evolve that way, right? Instead of just bringing a lot more shame into the system overall. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, good. Just good stuff. I love the stuff. (laughs) No, it is so good. And it's interesting too, because now you can feel this space opening up in such a different way. I mean, you alluded to that within your own career, how, you know, there's this new generation of therapists, but it's interesting to see as more and more people start to talk about vulnerability and shame and all of these Mm -hmm. things, authenticity. Um, Do you feel like this is kind of an awakening for a lot of people then moving into this understanding that, hey, there are some things that I have yet to heal. Are you hopeful about this space? Yes, lots of parts of me are very hopeful. Um, Especially when people pull me aside and want to talk about either what I've shared on Instagram or um, I just had them people that I would never expect to reach out to me, reach out to me and just say, thank you for speaking to this. Um, Like I'm listening, essentially. Um, And then I also, on the flip side of that, there's, uh, I'm seeing also, since there is so much information all at once, that it can be easy for some of us to want to like harp on every single thing, right? Um, and like, maybe I'll speak for myself, like, especially earlier on, like my perfectionist part of me, right? Like wanted to start doing things perfectly and um, heal perfectly. And right, so like that, some of that can get tricky when we're exposed to a ton of mental health information all at one time and then consuming that all day, either on Instagram or whatever it is. Um, so yes, so hopeful and want to invite mindfulness too of, um, yeah, if all that stuff isn't helping you be more compassionate with yourself, right? It might not be the best to consume all day. 
Right. Well, and that's, yeah. that's such a good piece of advice. I mean, I think in general, right. You know, whether it's social media or whatever it is, just because something's helpful to me, if that doesn't feel good to you, or if that's not something that's helpful to you, then by all means, you should not engage in that for your healing practices. Right. Right. And that's right. I think yeah. like that, that can be difficult. I think. And that's why I do love the ways that so many more people are talking about just how they approach things to kind of give people an idea that there isn't really one right way to come to healing, you know? And I think that that's where in the past we have had such a rigid approach, even to how things should be done, or if there were steps, and then that just brings in more of that shame too, right? Like I didn't do it right. I didn't heal right. <laughs> I didn't heal right. Yes. Right. And then that, <laughs> I'm not healing right. Yeah. And then that leads to the continued shame. Like, so when it happens again, or when I'm depressed or when I get anxious, oh, this is my fault again, because I didn't heal right the first time, or I don't know how to do it. So I think, again, you're on to so many big things right there with the shame piece, because people don't even realize the way it creeps in. I mean, I asked um, my students just to count how many times they said the word should every day and to report yeah. back. And then we talked about what that feels like every time you should yourself. And even that little tiny exercise is so eye-opening and disturbing. Yes, 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 for sure. I think we're swimming in it, right? Like we're just swimming in shame pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So since you have, I mean, this is a lot of really heavy work and I know you love it and I know it, it's energetically wonderful because you are helping people, but it's also a lot to process and carry and just to move through, especially when, as you said, you're also trying to be a person and move through your own situations what does that look like for you? How do you separate? I mean, do you go home and then you're still reading like self-help books because you like it or do you <laughs> shut that piece of your brain out? Like how, how does that look for you? I guess. It has changed so much over the past few years. Um, so lately it looks like, um, well, one, I, I'll, I'll mention IFS again, just because it's, that's the framework I use and it's really helped with my self-care. Um, and so IFS is this idea that we have lots of parts of us and they can feel differently. Um, and it just creates a lot of permission for like all parts are welcome basically is kind of the tagline. Um, and so it's been really helpful for me because when I'm in session, um, like I can just be like in myself and hold self energy for them and, um, for my clients and other parts of me can kind of be tucked away. Um, when before it felt like uh, all of me was there all the time, if that makes sense. Um, so that's been a really good thing for me. And so when, I, when I'm outside of therapist mode, I really try to nurture the other parts of my life, right? Um, so I think before when I was in more student mode, I would want to read more and um, be do all of those things. But now it feels like, okay, I want to go play. I want to go kayaking. I want to just nurture all the other parts of my life. Um, and I think that's just a natural evolution that happens when you become a therapist, but, um, yeah. And then I go to my own therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a therapist with a therapist. Um, and that ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'll go weekly or monthly or every two months. Um, 
But I think part of being a trauma therapist, if you want to be a decent one, you have got to do your own trauma work. And that doesn't necessarily uh, end for me, I don't think. I don't think it ends for anyone. I don't. I mean, I really don't. I think that there's always a level or a layer that's going to come up and not in a shame-filled way, like, oh, I have to do more work. But as a, now I look at it personally as like a, it's bringing a new level of awareness to me that then I get to choose what to do with that too. And I've taken power in my healing in a way Mm -hmm. that I hadn't before. But I think it's only, you just said so many wonderful things. You know, you said nurturing all the pieces of yourself and then taking away that space to go play and be creative or to go kayaking or to go do things. And I think like too, that's how prior we've had this, you know, so many legions of therapists who are so burnt out, who then aren't able to be as helpful too, because they're not getting away and finding that own nurturing for themselves or finding their own healing. And you know, that's hard to do. It's hard because I I really applaud you also for saying I'm a therapist with a therapist, because I think here's what, if more people were willing to admit, yeah, look at me, look at how awesome I am, but I'm this awesome because I also know who to go talk to when I need help or when I want to process things. I had therapy today. Actually, I thought it was interesting that I went from (laughs) therapy to having a conversation with you. I was like, how (laughs) big? Um, just, you know, like you say, really taking space away to find and nurture all of those aspects to keep yourself feeling, feeling whole, I guess, since that's the name of this podcast being whole. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so what are some things, you know, when you think about just kind of trying to manage everything, you know, when you're are there times where you still feel more overwhelmed or are there go-to tips or tricks that kind of work for you or that you have that you suggest to people? Hell yes. There are times I feel overwhelmed. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for saying that. She is not a robot. She has real feelings. All of them. How incredible is this conversation with Tyndall? I think we'll all walk away with something of value after this episode is over. I want to take a moment and thank you for taking time to listen today. It means so much to me as I know we all lead very busy lives. I have some very exciting things that I'll be announcing later this week and spots are limited. So please keep your eyes on my Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire and your emails if you're on my mailing list as those are the places I'll be announcing it first. I'm always looking at how I can provide more value and support to those who are in my community. My upcoming projects and opportunities will definitely deliver that at another more intimate level. I can't wait to share more. But for now, let's continue with Tyndall's episode. Yes, it overwhelmed is a, it was a good, uh, yeah, a good thing for this year, I think. Um, yeah, of course. And I, I, I can definitely move through it quicker these days than I used to be able to. Um, but it's, of course, yeah, definitely feel overwhelmed this year. Uh, starting my own business was challenging like it just was it it happened a lot faster than I thought it would be to like be able to fill a practice and that kind of thing but it still came with challenges um and then yeah I I I think a big piece of that um is just really being open about it right so I used to have all these parts of me that would uh fake it right like I'm fine. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to armor up some more and handle it and power through. And so I think one gift that a lot of this work has brought me is that I can just name to my partner, to my friends or whoever it is like, Hey, I'm not okay. I'm struggling. 
like I'll be okay. I know I'll be okay, but right now I'm really needing some support or I'm needing this or um, could you just check on me next week or whatever it is. Yeah. It's so, I just had this thought when you were saying that about how, you know, that's such a thing now we would say, oh, that's to be vulnerable, to be so open, to be able to make sure that you can tell your loved ones, like, I'm not okay. So at the same time, how messed up is that, that we consider it so vulnerable and so scary to tell our loved ones that we're not okay? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'll say that too, with my work, um, I'm always just applauded for being so open about my mental health. Right. And I'm like, how wild is that, that a therapist talking about their own mental health is radical. Yeah. What is going on here? right? It's just like, what's missing here? It's like this new armor thing being just the status quo. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really doing some damage. And so I'm pretty passionate about being open in ways that feel safe to me, but that feels safe to me. Mm -hmm. Um, well, it is like, you're saying the armoredness of it. And then I'm not sure where, when it became that message that yes, after you have achieved something, then you're no longer allowed to feel it. You know, if you're, if you're a coach, you're not no longer allowed to have problems. If you're a therapist, you're not no longer allowed to need therapy. You know, if you're a, Mm -hmm. we would tell a doctor, I'm sorry, you can't have heart disease anymore because you're a cardiologist. Like that makes absolutely no sense. Right. Right. Yeah, it speaks volumes about the way we separate mind and body and yeah, and in our society. That's where too, just even kind of continued recognition for people um, about the ways that our mind is influencing our body, you know, and I love also that you give such voice to speaking about that, about, you know, where are people's triggers showing up and that's, you know, where do your feelings show up and what are those experiences, you know, what do they actually feel like in your body for you as a person? and bringing that awareness Mm -hmm. back to it. Um, And I think that that's something too, like we've lost those connections and we've just treated everything as so separate. So that even speaks to your, what you were saying is like treating all of these pieces, right? Together, holistically looking at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a whole person. A whole person, (laughs) yeah. So are there things that like upcoming that you're excited to kind of explore? I know you said you don't know how much longer you'll even be able to do you know, individual therapy, because there's so many things that you have, you're, you've um, just really, your business is taking off. What excites you about the possibilities for the future? Yeah. So I think I will say, I think one-on-one work will always be a part of my work just because it's, um, I just have a lot of passion for that. It's very different. Um, I think the therapeutic space, if done right is a pretty sacred space and so it just feels like a privilege to be even be able to hold that space for someone else um and so I think I'll always hold on to that piece but um I'm excited to see what else comes from this I'm pretty I don't know inspired by all the women who've reached out to me and who uh just want more more trauma-informed knowledge and more talking about shame you know I think a few years ago, if you even said the word shame, people didn't want to look at you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I still get that response a little bit sometimes, but now people are pretty excited. Um, 
And so I don't know what that will look like. I have no idea. My intention is going to be to spend the rest of the year really trying to feel out what feels aligned to me instead of what's expected of me. Right. So I think there's some expectations that I'll move into like group coaching or something where I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe, but I'm going to, I'm going to feel into like what feels aligned for me. Um, I do want to start hosting in-person events in the New Braunfels area and Texas Hill Country area um, and kind of just introduce trauma-informed yoga to the space a little bit um, and just have a place where women connect. I think that's really where my passion is kind of drawing me is just to help women in the area but just women of from all places to just connect with one another um, because there is something really powerful about that when you're in a room full of women in connection with each other yeah full of women in connection with each other that's that's such a powerful thing like you said and you know what I think is interesting is like unfortunately there are a lot of women who have never experienced that they have never gotten to be in a space where they have felt the power of other women coming together be it because their own experience you know we're not necessarily conditioned you know we're all about like empowerment girl power but there's like an ugly undercurrent of scarcity model uh, that is not about empowerment right so you are so yeah. right that when you can truly bring people together to feel that in that space, it's so amazing because it is this place where people are kind of letting go of those societal expectations or kind of some of those underpinnings like you talked about earlier. And it's it's a, a magical space, like just thinking about it, I'm so excited the possibility of you creating that more and more on a larger scale here in person so I can go. <laughs> <laughs> But also I think like the ripple effect for me, it's the ripple effect. You bring people into that space. They look at other women differently. Then all of a sudden I am no longer looking at you as my enemy or as somebody who is going to keep me from getting something, but truly let's move into a space of empowerment and recognizing the other emotions and experiences that this other person has gone through. And for whatever mm -hmm. reason, there's something about women being in a collective space where you break down all that stuff that really bombs you in a different way. I can't exact, I'm sure you can explain it better therapeutically, <laughs> but it's, it's magical. I mean, that's the only thing I can call it is magical. Yeah. It's powerful for sure. Um, and you're, yeah, you're exactly right. It's this entering into a space where we're no longer threats to one another. Right? Like that's how we've been conditioned um, that immediately when someone shines or whatever it is, it, it sheds light on all the parts of us that we haven't uh, learned to love quite yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's where just even, you know, your answer to my question was so perfect when I asked, you know, what's next. And I want to state it for everyone again, in case they didn't hear it is that you say, you're just going to see what happens, whatever you're aligned with and what you're connected with that message there, even if you just take it away from any of the mental health aspect and you focus on that just from a professional standpoint, that's certainly not the message we're always given either, right? You know, and so just mm -hmm. thinking about if you can take care of yourself in that way and sit in, what am I aligned with? What does feel good to me professionally, personally, emotionally? But we don't even start there. <laughs> you know, we start with, oh, I have to do this, or I need to get a job to make more money, or I should be doing this, all the shoulds again. Right. So I love mm -hmm. that you're just allowing yourself this space to see what the next step is going to be 
based on what actually you want to do. Exactly. And the privilege of that is not lost on me, right? Like, I think this is the first time ever in my professional career. And I also had a lot of resources even entering into that, that I've even had the space to sit down and pause and say, okay, now what do I want to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's so, I know it. And that's so hard too. Like, even when we talk about the scarcity model with different things, you know, or, you know, people talk about it with money all the time, for example. And sometimes I get a little weird about that. Cause I'm like, you know, some of y'all it's clear. You've never been poor. If, if you're talking about, it, about the scarcity model in that way, you know, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there is still some privilege when we talk about those things, like you said, you know, it's really great. Always. To- be here sitting, you know, telling everybody to take time for themselves or to do whatever. And just even recognizing what that looks like for the spaces of your life. You know, like my life right now looks a lot more, a lot more different. Nice verbiage there, Cassandra. (laughs) (laughs) Different now that my kids are older versus when they were younger, you know, so just even the spaces I can have for myself. So it's not really fair for me as somebody with teenagers who are more self-sufficient to tell this mom with two-year-olds, like, just let them be, you know, you got to go take time for yourself. They're fine. Okay. You know, just even that recognition of the ways that we kind of give advice or, or shame people into their own choices or behaviors based on our own experiences or what is working for us. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another reason I love this work is because it's when you have all parts are welcome with you. It creates a lot more connection and compassion for other people and their parts and how they're organizing. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love that. That's like the whole, you know, compassion for others starts with compassion for self, right? You know, it's like I, you can pour so much more love into somebody else if you have first learned to give that love you know, internally. Right. And that sounds so cheesy. I think to some people, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Hashtag (laughs) self-love. Yes, it does for sure. Easier said than done. Right. Um, but yeah, again, I love this work because it's not just loving the parts of us that are shiny. It's loving the parts of us that, um, we've been told are need to, we need to get rid of. Um, recognizing that they can exist at the same time like right I mean and emotions too I love the way you talk about emotions with the complexity of it because why do we think that we ever just have to feel only one thing right yeah all emotions welcome too that's a big one of mine um yeah I'm real tired of our society shaming sadness (laughs) I'm like, go watch Inside Out. Okay. Right. I know that. Go watch Inside Out. I know. I know. It really, and it's funny because I say that too. And it's like, it really is like, just look at this movie that really is trying to tell you that we need to recognize all of the emotions, not privilege one over the other. And, and to really recognize that we have complexities within us. So it's like a children's Mm -hmm. movie really shows that very, very well, right? It really does. And somewhere along the way, we, we lose that insight into ourselves that, yep, I can feel all of these things at the same time. And some of that, of course, comes because we're more comfortable with some emotions than others, right? So I'm going to privilege this one over here because that one feels good. And I'm going to push this one aside because I don't really know what to do with that. Yes. And this one helps me get through the day, right? With all the demands on me all the time, 
right? Like I don't have time to feel the sadness, which I respect that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything you have upcoming up that you want us to look for or where can we find you? What's the best place for people to learn more about your work? So my website is Tyndall Elizabeth, T-Y-N-D-A-L.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at Tyndall Elizabeth. I have no idea what you should look out for because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm offering. Um, I have I have a few projects in the works. One is a uh, going to be like a really beautiful candlelit yoga night um, near New Braunfels. And so I think that will be something to watch out for. And then um, otherwise, I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> well, that's what's most exciting about it is that we know that whatever comes up, it will be something that's heart centered for you, which will make it all the better. So I'm really excited. And just thank you again for taking time to come here today. I do know how busy you are. And I really, again, appreciate not only you sharing your perspective with the people who will listen to this, but for the ways that you, you put that energy out, not just, you can feel it on Instagram, y'all, you got to go follow her because you can feel the, uh, I can feel your authentic joy coming through in so many of the posts. I can also feel the ways that you are truly, as, as you said, you want other people to heal. And that's such a powerful thing when you can feel that from somebody else that they really just want the best for you. And that's what comes through so much when you talk and through your work. So I'm forever grateful to all, for you for all that you do. Thank you. My heart's like beaming. But yeah. it, feels, it feels really nice that that shows through, right? Because Instagram, social media is a weird place. So it is um, a weird place. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm so grateful to you. So again, thank you for sharing space with us today and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. For Here are my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, when something is on your heart consistently, there's a reason. In Tyndall's case, it was the trauma training that led her to sharing her wisdom on a platform like Instagram. Listen to that voice with the knowing that it may lead to something truly impactful. Number two, just because you help others in their journey doesn't mean that you are healed. You essentially have to just be a few steps ahead of others while continuing to work on your own healing. Number three, not all content focused on healing will work for you. There is no right way to heal. Knowing this can prevent you from comparing your journey to someone else's and also prevent the shame cycle that happens if you feel like you did something wrong. Number four, in doing this work, the biggest gift is to accept and declare that you are not okay to not only yourself, but to your loved ones. Number five, when you are in a room of women in a collective way, in a safe space to connect in the way that Tyndall spoke about, it really opens up a beautiful door of true empowerment without comparison or ill intentions. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Being Whole podcast. Bye-bye.